Hey, Dennis, how is the weather in UK? It's been quite UK-inspired weather here. It's been like rain, cloud, sun, rain, cloud, sun all day long. It's impossible to play in the tennis this week, so I'm I'm looking forward to Spain now on Thursday. What's up over there? Hi, Giannis. Hi, everyone. Uh, you always start with the weather. It's a really British thing to do. Like, you know, when you, when you cannot really say anything else, you're just meeting someone who you don't really like or that sort of thing. You're like, Oh, okay, yeah, it has been quite nice, or it has been quite quite bad, or that sort of thing. But we do like each other, so it's not about that. Yeah, well, interesting, interesting. I I actually played some tennis over the weekend, actually twice as well, which was good. I uh, tried the new string combo, um, which is uh, Link Store in the mains and and uh, Prince Beast uh, in the crosses. And I told you in the uh, when when I put it in that I didn't really like it. It was a bit too stiff, but now I kind of, I'm okay with it. I don't, I think it doesn't really bite the ball that well as my uh, multi-hybrid combo, but it's, I think it's, it's actually quite good, uh, but it's just, oh, it's, it's miserable. Uh, the, the courses are so wet, they're damp. <clears throat> they're just not nice to play on. Um, and you open a new kind of balls and literally after like an hour, you just have to throw them out because you cannot, it, that's that's the weird part with tennis balls that you you um, it just it just soaks up uh, moisture so much that whatever you do you cannot really dry it which is which is not too good but yeah yeah how are you doing you you're just looking forward to Spain don't you yeah yeah no I actually did play like I played a um, few sessions I played with the best player here locally which was a good hit but it was very windy. And then I played like against a 19-year-old Aussie who's a good player. He's a competitive player. And uh, I, I did play well. I was actually, I beat him once, which was good. So um, there's a cat tail again in the <laughs> screening. Uh, we're, we're looking at each other while we're talking, which I think helps, but you're, you're just listening. Uh, but there's usually cats in the background, if, if you wonder why I'm, why I'm commenting on. No, so I've been playing okay. But like you said, like there, you know, in some areas, if it has been raining, uh, the sun has kind of, dried up some of the court but there's still puddles somewhere in the back of the court and then the ball goes in there and you have and in the end you have all balls semi-damp and like you say they're they're just done after a while like they, they're they're not gonna survive an hour of, of hitting usually Malta is, is a little bit better weather I think they've had a fantastic October and then when I arrived here it decided to turn <laughs> so it was like hey go go back to Spain man go go back we don't need you here anymore <laughs> there's quite a few reasons for that that you really want to go back to spain yeah, the weather yeah. is just part of it <laughs> yeah no so uh, one thing i'm looking forward to obviously is uh, davis cup so i'm gonna be there uh, covering the event a little bit as as a part of the press which is fun and um it's it's gonna be cool and also my buddy nikki he's gonna string for the spanish team so he just got to know that so he's gonna string He's he's been stringing a bit now in the lead up and now he's gonna be there throughout the event so i mean it's not that much fun to be stringing i would think but but at least it's cool to be part of the team because you're a little bit like okay you know i have to string this for bautista when when he's uh you know broke a string and stuff i mean you it's, it's you're in the action so uh we'll see see how it goes it's, it's a good event hopefully not a lot of people know that but the stringing life is not the most fun so you know it, it's actually quite good to be part of a team but we both of us are are quite experienced stringers and and what i can say is to like these guys do string a racket like sub uh, 15 minutes. And if you think about it, it's it's a lot of hassle. So obviously they have really good electric machines as as your head machine is a really good one actually that was um, designed by Dennis Fabian and um, um, and he and he actually and 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 I think Richard Parnell. So they they like co co designed that that um, stringing machine machine and that one is a really really good machine. I, I tried it before and I liked it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like that when I my favorite stringing machine is actually Dunlop, uh, funny enough, um, because there's there's a massive tray where you can put all your or your gear um, and and back to to these um, amazing stringers. And, and I'm and I'm part of quite a few groups on, on Facebook. Uh, uh, one is one is great. Um, it's called um, Unstrung Customs. Which is which is um, actually quite quite funny. And I think and you mean Unstrung Heroes, like, no? Unstrung Customs is oh, Nikki's sorry, company. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Unstrung Heroes, that's the one. Unstrung Heroes, that is, and that one is um, is is a, by a, a a really funny guy, an American called Matt Praviti. I I, I like that guy a lot. I I haven't actually spoke to him yet, but 
what I uh, what I could gather from his posts and everything. He's a lovely, lovely chap and, and really good player. These guys are absolutely insane. So how many records they do uh, in a in a day is just unreal. When I um, when I used to work in Wigmore Sports, those guys were really good stringers, and they they actually some of them are worth stringing on the tour, and um, that's just unreal. I mean, I'm as I say, I'm I I consider myself a pretty okay stringer. So I mean, I I, I know about these uh, these small bits and bobs, but you should be um, you know following how you how you tie it off. Uh, how you look at the different things, how you don't really want to put pressure on the on the frame. Although these new new frames, they're not going to crack. I mean, unless unless they're like you know really uh, beat down and 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 they might have micro cracks in them, which which actually the tension just pulls out and then then it cracks. Unless that happens, it's not going to happen any any other way. But yeah, so so I, I really look up to these guys, and I know the work what they actually put into it. And you know, when when you see uh, the pros just send that racket to be strung in, like you know, basically they just receive it back in like ten minutes, which is absolutely insane. Um, it doesn't matter how quick the the machine is. The only thing what I've what I've seen is that their weaving on the crosses isn't always the quickest, but every other thing is so so fast that they actually make up for it. Uh, they usually pull it instead of push it and uh, and that is quite an interesting one but i i learned it the pushing way um and i'm and i'm fairly quick with the weaving and and you know that's that's the fun part of it i think the weaving i mean unless you're stringing um a prestige mp um mm. with with like a 1.3 out of power rough <laughs> no that's no fun at all i can tell you that much yeah, there were strings. Um, I mean, I sometimes get, obviously I get a lot of string samples uh, for reviewing. And when you get these very shaped cube strings or triangular strings, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of bad. You know, it's, it's. I do the, actually the pull method, which I got uh, some critique from uh, Nikki. He's like, what are you doing in there? You should <laughs> push the string. <laughs> I, I've seen both methods, but I think the best string is generally pull the string, uh, push the string through. Like it's, they, the weaving looks more smoothly done that way. I just couldn't figure out because I learned I was self-taught, right? So, but it, but it works. Like I always check my tensions, and it's always uh, pretty much spot on. So I'm, I'm I can string, but I don't enjoy it, and I'm too slow to join any kind of uh, teams. You know, I, I don't. I think you need to enjoy it a bit more to actually get the speed up and and learn all the tricks and and stuff. You know, I just string for my own reviews, which helps. Like that's I string for myself. I if someone else asks me, "Can you string for me?" I'm like, no. <laughs> <Not a nice guy. laughs> but i would give you 50 quid no still no no, yeah, no. <laughs> bugger off <laughs> no nobody pays 50, no i get you 50 quid, uh, yeah. i i yeah i mean i tell me about it i wish i wish i had i i, I do string um at my club and 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 quite a few guys actually do like my my work and um you know i i, I string string with this absolutely ridiculous uh crank machine which is uh i mean it pulls a good tension to be fair it's just uh, not as quick so i mean I, i'm always i'm always checking uh, um the facebook marketplace if there's a there's a stringing machine which which is on a fairly okay price but yeah, yeah there's none because that um actually we we talked about it either a few months ago that like um uh, you you don't really know how you can transport your uh, stringing machine uh, from Malta to to Spain. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really need. That's there. the thing. Like, I I don't really need to because like Nikki, I'm I'm sharing the office with Nikki. Or I'm sitting there in his office, and he has two machines. So for me, I don't really need to transport ah, it. So I can have it in the apartment okay. here. Okay. Which, which is a headache okay, yeah. less because like it's 100 kilo in the boxes when it came. I'm like, oh god, you know, says <laughs> and the shipping. <laughs> Anything from Malta is quite expensive, uh, and so it's not the best, you know. And yeah, within the EU, it's yeah. better, but it's still like it's it's not the most fun to to ship a hundred kilo machine, right? Uh, at least that yeah, was the absolutely. weight with all the boxes. What, what machines? What machines is uh, Nicky using? And then we we just have to get he uses the, the, train, the same machine. The, the, yeah, sorry, uh, he uses the same machine <laughs> as um, as me, but the the previous generation. But they are very small changes in it. I was actually going to look for some stringing cheaper electronic for you over here, but because there are some websites that have um, stringing machines that are not so expensive, but you still need to get up to like a, like a thousand euro with a proper tension head. You can get like a drop weight for like five hundred, but otherwise they're quite expensive. You know, and and these nice machines like the one I'm using or the I mean, I, I looking at one website here. I see like a Yonex Precision Nine, 
which looks cool. That's, but it, that's it's, the most expensive. It's insane. It's 14,000 euros. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, the, the Yonex, Yonex ones are absolutely ridiculous. They're like, probably very good. I assume, yeah. good machines. There's there's one which is called Siboasi, I think, or whatever that is. It's a Chinese machine, but it's actually built on the same specs as, as the Yonex, which is obviously like a, a you know, it's just a fake one. But yeah. look, I, at the end of the day, I think if if the tension head is right, um, and there's uh, there's this uh, there's quite a few few nice nice machines um and and obviously we are more than happy to to help with that as well because we uh, uh during our tenure in uh in stringing we we got a pretty good understanding on which which one is a better machine which one is a which one is a, a semi good machine and that sort of thing but look if i i always recommend to everyone start stringing because it's actually a lovely feeling to to string your own racket you wouldn't see the difference unless you start stringing for yourself yeah. That's when I decided when I was stringing for myself back home and I gave it here to some guy and I was like, am I mad? I don't even like, like how they work. I don't even like to, to spend, I don't know, 20, 25 pounds on, on uh, um, you know, just, just the job itself. I know it's usually 15 quid, uh, the labor. But yeah, then I just decided, look, I just want to do it for myself. I love my own work. In, in that sort of perspective. And, you know, luckily enough, there's quite a few guys who do love my work as well. Although I wish I wasn't streaming for others because it's not too much fun with the crank up machine. But look, at the end of the day, it's it's a great thing as well. And, and you know, these professionals are absolutely ridiculous. So if, if anyone from the listeners have a chance to to check out what they do and, and how they how they weave and, and, and how they, they string, it's unreal. One more story about that. Um, the uh, Guinness record holder is a Hungarian chap uh, who's <laughs> so what he did was um, uh, the most record strong in 24 hours consecutive which is ridiculous I don't know the exact number but he actually beat a Dutch guy's record by quite a bit so he did like 70 something or 80 oh something God. within 24 hours jesus it is insane but the guy is lovely and his son um zombie as well as as Spiros, uh but his name is Belt. uh he's uh he's an atp player so he's uh i think he's in the top 800 pretty good lefty so he's um you know he's he's pretty decent and uh, and i know the kid he's he's a he's a lovely lovely smart smart chap so you know wish him all the best and and the dad is is also also lovely Joel. So uh, he's the uh, Guinness record holder. So yeah, big up for him. Yeah, so we got into stringing. I mean, usually when you have these conversations, you get into some interesting topics. And like I, I agree with you, Dennis. It's important to, if you can, if you want, if you're serious about your tennis, to learn how to string because you, you get so much out of it, and you start understanding like how strings work, how long they last. You start seeing more up close how much tension you put on the strings when you play. And how often you should restring, and also you have the the option of when you're feeling like I, I feel like I lack a bit of control, or I, I think I strung this too tight. You can restring it. You don't have to always think of the money you have to put in and the time you have to wait. It's like some stringers are super busy, so maybe you don't get the racket so quickly. So it's it's quite a, a good thing if you can find a cheap stringing machine. You don't need to get an electronic fancy machine. You can get a pretty cheap one. Start learning, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Most most people, and you can you just watch like a TV or Netflix or tennis while you string. So it's not like you need to be super focused on the actual job. You can actually do other things while you do it. I, I usually listen to podcasts or something that like that. Um, so that that's a good thing. But I guess the the main news story before we actually go on uh, for the off season, we will talk about other topics. But like we usually cover the main tennis news, and it's only really been one key story. I mean, Ben Shelton keeps winning all these challengers. He's won three in a row. I don't know. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so good on him. Uh, but the, the big news story was obviously Novak. Uh, we both got our prediction right. We talked about it the last week that it was uh, our you know joint pick was Novak Djokovic to win his sixth finals, I think it was. And yeah, he was just too good. I mean, he is fantastic when he's playing like this. It's um, there were some tight matches, and uh, he did struggle in some matches. And physically, he seemed to struggle a lot against Medvedev. Uh, but he came through in the end, which he always seems to do. He has this—I don't know—like his desire inside of him must be so strong. Like it's he can f this fighter instinct he has. It's just—I mean, obviously he's, he has all the weapons he needs to play tennis on this level. But the, I think most impressive for me, is always his mental strength. 
Um, we we talked about it before the podcast that it will be a, a, a praise for Novak, and um, it's not going to be a praise for Novak because both of us are, let's say, not the biggest fans. We do appreciate we do appreciate him. We do appreciate what he brings to the game, and in my liking, he's the best ever. Even even with me being a Rafa fan, and I know that Rafa won two. Um, Novak wasn't in Australia, obviously. Novak wasn't in the US, so Alcaraz could win it. Um, and and Novak wasn't playing amazingly the whole year, although he had a really good year. He even finished the, the year-end uh, rankings in, in number five in the world, and literally he didn't play half the year, so it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I, just cannot, I just cannot get over his theatrics against Medvedev, which... Uh, like he had his body shaking and he was dropping the racket and sometimes he's uh, struggling with his balance, which is just so strange for, for a guy who's like doing a lot of yoga and, you know, he's, he's unbelievably flexible. Like, come on. He's, he's like, he's like a rubber man. He's, he's, you know, he, he doesn't have joints. It seems uh, like how he slides into his backhands, which is literally the best tennis shot anyone ever produced that sliding backhand pass when he does that is just absolutely silly. But if you look at him, apart from his smashes, he doesn't have a weakness. He never had a weakness. Um, what he had as weaknesses, he worked on it. Um, you know, it, it, it's silly. He's, he's just so good. But um, one of my teammates just, uh, it, was, it was quite funny. He, he wanted me to play uh, today at eight o'clock. I, I told him that I'm, I'm doing the podcast, so I'm not going to play him. Um, but he was like, um, and 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 he wished me good luck, and and I said, um, yeah, obviously, thank you for that, and you know, um, yeah, I, I will need the luck because I will praise praise Novak, <laughs> so for that I need a a, a, a lot of self belief. But then he said that no need to praise a drugs cheat. Ah, okay, he was a bit uh, sour. <laughs> he's always look. I he's. He he likes a, a bit of controversy. He he likes a bit of um, you know all these uh, all these different uh, ideas about what what people are doing differently, and you know how Novak is 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 winning all these matches, and you know he had a funny uh, in Paris. He had like the, it looked like child's blood in his uh, in his um, you know little mix up and whatever. Look, I'm I'm not gonna say anything about these claims because um, no one knows really. I, you know, this is a massive business. What people should realize is that tennis is one of the biggest business in the world. These guys are warriors. They're gladiators, so they need uh, every help they can get. But now the supplements are so so good that I don't really think you know I don't know EPO or that sort of thing would would really help them enhance their performance and the other thing is that we're talking about a sport which you can play for five hours when do you actually peak your form like what's was the whole thing yes when you're practicing you want to practice for four or five hours and if you do that you need some sort of help but you you can as i say you know now the the supplements and and vitamins and all that they're so so good that i don't necessarily think there's a lot of truth behind it but I can always quote, there was a legendary um, Hungarian uh, pundit um, who, who was covering the Tour de France. And, and he said, look, you cannot really do this in mineral water. You know, there's some truth in it, but I'm not going to say it about Novak. I do believe uh, Federer uh, was always really, really careful on what, what he did and how he did it. Um, my, the um, Now it's a different topic, obviously, but now this friend of mine, um, he was saying that uh, uh, Federer and Murray wanted uh, this blood passport, what they do in, in cycling and that sort of thing. And Novak and Rafa were against it, apparently. I want to be optimistic about all this. I want to I believe that these guys don't do drugs. Uh, these guys are, are fighting the, the true war. But, you know, like, look at them. Like they, They're just like literally practicing every day, like eight hours. So there's not a lot of need for that. All of them are on the same thing. If if they do drugs, they all do drugs. If they don't do drugs, no one does drugs. So that's that's my my little thought about all this. Yeah, no, the drug situation or the conversation always comes up. I I guess because I've um, you know I, I talked to uh, the another guy about this, and he was more 
skeptical about Alcaraz because he had this like massive muscle growth, right? Went from being a bit more teenage to um, like really muscly in a short time. And then, you know, I, I think it's like, okay, he's a teen, teenage 19 year old who works out every day. This is possible. You don't need like any illegal drugs to, to get this kind of fitness. It's just how they would live. They live this sport, right? Uh, so I tend to want to air like make errors on the side of optimism. I want to be like, hey, I don't believe that they do anything illegal. I think they maximize anything they can legally do, whatever that is. And I think guys like Novak and Rafa are more into that. I, I have a feeling Federer is a guy who like he had pasta and a glass of red wine, and then he just plays his style and hopefully wins. <laughs> this is just his. His style is, is a little bit different. He's not so physically physical when he plays tennis. It's just how he, he was. While Novak and Rafa, they are so focused, so strong mentally, physically. And uh, obviously there can be stuff. I mean, they always there were always rumors about Rafa, like, what is this guy taking? He's just running like an animal for five hours, you know, and never tires. And who knows? I mean, I I, I cannot say for sure that I I think that there's nothing going on. Um, but I guess they, they are doping tests, so the substances they use are probably not on the list of illegal, but they are certainly some substances for sure. Uh, then the question is what it is, and if they all use the same, or if it's just about, it's a bit like Formula One, like who can get the best cocktail, right? It's a bit like who can create the best combination of physical endurance, strength, best team, mental, it's all about that. So they get help from all sources, doctors, everyone is helping them. And they, also, they can afford the latest science as well. So if Rafa has a problem with the foot, he can go to the best specialist in the world and get the best advice, the best treatment. So it's obviously going to be like a, a, you know, a, a real arms race in terms of how can I get the max out of my body on the tennis court. Uh, which is interesting. I mean, obviously, these are high stakes. Like you say, it's a lot of money, fame, uh, glory, and all that stuff. So for them, it's it's a big deal. I was talking to, um, I think, Adrian Manorino uh, before when he was here in, in Malta. And, and we talked about like his uh, elbow issues. And he has to take painkiller for the elbow. When he serves, he has pain, generally, he talks about. And he's not alone. Like a lot of the players have have problems when they when they serve, especially or they like it hurts them. They are overusing their joints, and the elbow is sensitive. It doesn't matter if you're. It's not that they have bad technique. It's just that they over they hit so many shots every every day, every week. And, and he said like Luca Poi, for example, he had much worse problems, and he had to do this surgery. I think several surgeries. I'm not sure if I remember. And he actually traveled with a f- top physiotherapist. We had to pay like 4,000 euros a week or something, which is a lot of money to just give someone like to travel, probably more than that. It was a lot of money just to pay your physio. So it means like this this is high stakes. They need to try anything to get the max. So obviously it's possible that they use some substances, seems to be okay and seems to be non, non-illegal stuff. So I'm going to, you know, be an optimist and think that it's just, they are just an unbelievable athletes, which they are anyway. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, the name of the game. But 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 yeah, who knows? He yeah, Pui is, is such a forgotten man, isn't he? I, I absolutely love his style. He's such a classy player as well, and and uh, he was one of the one of the last Prince uh, endorsed players. And now he's obviously playing with a pure drive. But he was he was using the tour uh, Prince tour uh, paint job. I don't know what he was actually using, but he might have been a, a Prince tour. I'm not. He sure. actually used that racket. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, he 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 was actually with, with Prince. I like their approach. Uh, Yonix did the same. At least they do kind of the same. Uh, they don't have like uh, 400 different pro stocks that are not available to the to the general public. They they just had their frame, and he he just liked this first generation of the Prince Textreme Tour 100P which was a great racket. Like, it was a fantastic racket. I knew a lot of people who liked it. I didn't enjoy that frame. And he used that one. But then, obviously, someone's going to come along and say, hey, um, funnily enough, Babula came along and said, you have a bad elbow. You should play with this pure drive. <laughs> <laughs> you want to absolutely crush your last few months of your, yeah, let's, let's, your career. Let's destroy your elbow. Destroy it out. <laughs> and play, definitely play with a really, really... Stiff <laughs> Poli as well. Look, I, I've seen him live. I absolutely love the guy. He's such such a great player, and and 
and you know he was um, he was um, in endorsing that prince, and and he was as I say, you know, one of his uh, last kind of, of of players, and he was top ten. He was number eight, I think, in the world. That was his best ranking. So he was a, he was a great player, and and he's still trying to come back, struggling big time. What I wanted to say, a few thoughts, which I actually thought about. Um, one is the prize money, which Nova got in the end, which was the highest prize money ever in a tennis tournament. He he won like six and a half million dollars or something ridiculous. Oh my god! Uh, because he, he because he won it um, unbeaten. He was quite close to it to to lose it against Fritz. Fritz was serving for the second set. It was thirty all, and an idiot just shouted before uh, a clean cut winner for for Fritz, which. Look, yeah, I mean, he missed it pretty badly. If he if he pulled it long, I don't know. I mean, you know, we can say that it was it was the shout why he missed it. I think it's 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 a pretty convenient thing to to actually just say that yes, I missed it because of that shout of that spectator. It was a really bad miss. Like he he missed it in the middle of the net, so it wasn't like you know the top of the net or that sort of thing. It was a really really nervy nervy shot. And when you're thirty all against Novak, you want to try a down the line backhand, even if your backhand is that immaculate as 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 Fritz is. You might if if you're a bit nervous or if you're a bit stiff, you might miss it. So I think it's like a fifty fifty. Um, his next shot when he lost it at thirty forty down. Now that was ridiculously stiff. So that was like, you know, he was just pushing it out by two meters on his back end as well. But Fritz had a great tournament, which we also sort of uh, came up with. Um, and there was um, the Tsitsipas controversy again, because he said about Rublev that, that Rublev has a lot less weapons as, as Tsitsipas does. That's what Steph said, is that on the day, he felt like with the, la- with the least weapons, um, Rublev could beat him, which which was strange for me because it it was it was a really really short match, and most of the matches apart from Medvedev Djokovic were short because uh, it was such a quick court as we talked about is that like they they could hit through the the court easily, and obviously the Dunlop ATPs helped with that as well, which is quite a quick ball. Um, even uh, what not a lot of people know is that when what we can buy <clears throat> from the stores are actually a little bit different felt as what these uh, professional balls are. These are better feeling balls, so they they do feel better when you hit it. I I had the chance to to play with Wilson U.S. Opens, which were um, ma- made for the Fed Cup or Billie Jean Cup um, finals, supposed to happen three years ago in Budapest. Uh, it never happened because the Hungarian Federation was so corrupt that they just took it away from us. Um, but I could actually play with those balls, and they are just so much better. They, I mean, it's just two different sports. That, that was that was the staff controversy, and I also read a quite interesting one. I don't even know. Maybe ah, yeah, it was Jim Courier who said that if his family wouldn't be there, he might be a lot better player. And I tend to agree. Like I know Petros. Uh, a bit and helped him with rackets and um, talked to the father uh, a bit about Steph's racket uh, at at the uh, Stuttgart, and I was in the in the their like box or whatever. I was I was with them for one match against against Mari, I think it was, and they they talk all the time like the the father and the mother. I was there with the whole family. Petros was uh, training, I think, but the and they they talk a lot and i can see that it it's annoying stefanos like i mean in the after each match he usually defends them but in most cases i think he's really annoyed and i think he's he, he would just do much better with another setup i i don't think it's healthy for anyone i i always thought it was weird i mean whether it's on the wta or the atp that you travel with your parents because a parent child dynamic is a bit strange when you're a professional athlete. Like you're an adult, you're supposed to live your own life. Your parents can come and watch, but they shouldn't be the people sitting there in the box and like giving advice or cheering. And, and you know, in Sitsipas' case, he the father talks a, a lot. Like Apostolos, he talks all the time. And no matter what, like I don't think Steph wants to listen. I think he wants to play his own match. I don't, I don't think he's actually keen on listening to what he has to say. But it becomes a, a, like a disturbance, right? He's talking so much. So I, I agree with, with Jim Courier. Sitsipas also hit the ball towards his parents <laughs> when they were talking too much. Uh, so there are clips on YouTube if you want to look at that. But it, it's a sign that this is not great, right? I, it, he, needs, he needs some change. I think he has a lot of potential. And I think he, he seems to just not quite 
make his potential come true, probably because of the coaching. That, that's a little bit of the part of it, because he has the game uh, to beat Djokovic, to beat these guys if he's on a good day. But it seems like he gets close, but then there's some mental block or something that's not quite there. And I think uh, maybe a coaching change could could help him a lot. I think I think he he should definitely tell his parents. Look, guys, um, whatever, twenty three, twenty four, how how old he is. Uh, I've got my own Tesla. I've got my residence in Monte Carlo. Why don't you just spend the next year in there, and I'll just give you a call when I'm playing the final of of the U.S. Open, and you're more than welcome to sit in the like I don't know the VIP uh, stand and not in my box. Because I think he has a lot of potential. Um, he knows everything about tennis. Um, yes, he 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 had problems with his elbow this year, so I think definitely that 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 ruined his year in many ways. Although he didn't have a bad year, as we talked about, he could have finished uh, world number one if he won Paris and then the the ATP final. So he, he was like you know he had a really good year, but. I think he finished uh, fourth in the rankings. I think he was uh, he was fourth in the end because uh, he he had a chance and and in the live rankings before he actually uh, fell out uh, or being knocked out in the uh, um, in the group stage. He was um, he was actually uh, sec- uh, third in the rankings. Yeah, uh, and before yeah yeah he was he was third and then Rude just took over. So. Yeah, it, it, and again, he's a sour loser as well. Uh, he always has these, like you know, he was he was really con- controversial against Nick, which I can understand because Nick is uh, really annoying. I really don't want to swear. You usually do uh, put a few f bombs here and there, but I, I'm just like, yes, he is really annoying. So Nick against look to play against Nick. It was quite funny because I've seen, um, I, I watched the Maktic Pavic uh, and uh, Kyrgios Kokinakis match. And uh, Pavic really wanted to get inside Nick's head. And to be fair, he did a really good job. I do rate Maktic Pavic. I think it's it's one of the best doubles of, of the decade. Um, I've seen the guys quite a few times. I think uh, Maktic is a magician and and there's not a lot of people who, who actually do use that... Uh, I think he plays with an ultra or an H19 or an H22 or whatever that is in, in Pavic's hand, but, but he just uses that racket so well. He broke his right hand in Wimbledon in the semis, and he still almost won the finals. He couldn't hit a double-handed backhand. I, so I, I, again, obviously the listeners cannot, cannot see that, but Giannis was, was quite surprised on that one. So um, just for not anyone to know that so basically what it is in in the uh, Wimbledon double semis he fell on the grass and he fell so awkwardly that he broke his right wrist so he was uh playing the finals with just a one-handed backhand and we're talking about a really good two-hander and obviously in these pro doubles uh, both of them are on their backhand so if if it goes out wide he could only just uh, he couldn't really put his shot in so it was so weird. Uh, check out the footages on, also on YouTube because um, it has been unreal. So like he couldn't use, he couldn't even hold the racket for um, for a, a backhand volley, and they almost won it. it it's I think it was Kabalthara who, who won it in the end. It's absolutely unreal uh, how how good those guys were against uh, Nick and Kokinakis. Kokinakis was. Uh, a lot worse than than any of those three guys. So it was it was it was weird to see how like when when there was a pressure situation, Kokinakis just just crumbled, and um, and that's why they lost. It was a really close match, and um, to be fair, they could have won it uh, if they were a little bit better. But like you know, they were on serve. It was three all. Um, they they changed ends, um, and then Kokinakis just hit a double. Mektic Pavic, I, I checked there. They are actually playing with quite control-oriented rackets for for a doubles team. Usually, they w- want a little bit more uh, easy power and uh, like for serves and putaways, and also volleys is a bit easier to just wheel the racket if it's a little bit bigger, uh, a little bit lighter generally. But they have uh, two control rackets, so I think it's like an H19. I'm not 100 sure from Wilson and uh, Prestige or a PT57A. 
One one thing we should say about the singles that that we got we dealt with the doubles. So Ram Salisbury won, uh, beating Mekdic and Pavic in the final of the ATP finals doubles, and Djokovic beat Kasper Ruud and Ruud. Yeah, yeah, we've been praising him quite a lot this um, this year when we've had our podcasts. And yeah, he showed in this ATP Finals as well that he keeps on uh, being a very solid threat to anyone, really. Uh, still, it's a hard... Like, it's a bit far to see him beating Djokovic on a hard court. But for next year, if he keeps improving, I think he's one of the guys that seems to improve very steadily. He doesn't make huge jumps, but he's just a steady... Every year he gets maybe 5% better, well, a few percent better, and he's... It's just very good player. Like he doesn't have these very bad matches or where you, and he doesn't have mental breakdowns, just like a steady machine. And he's going to be very dangerous next year for the French Open, but also for other tournaments. Like I, he is a dangerous player. He just needs to get over the hump of beating like Rafa, Novak, those guys. Like if he can get over that hump, if he can find a way to do it, then he is, uh, he's going to be dangerous because a guy like, Rude, even though he might not have the biggest weapons, he has a tennis mind. Like he's super strong mentally and mover, good mover. He's just very all round. Uh, Rublev has some more tendencies to be, I mean, he can hit maybe more power, but he is like a little bit flimsy mentally. So I think that is a difference when you look at the typical playing styles. And so it was a good tournament from from Rude. I think it was maybe the most positive tournament of of the bunch. Um, what I can say about Rude, a few things. One is that he had an unbelievable year. He, um, he, he played three finals of the five biggest tournaments of the year. So that is impressive. So he, he played the Garros, he, he played uh, the U.S., and, and, he, and he played the ATP final finals. Um, but he lost all three. What I was, sorry? Yes, but he lost yes, all three. True. So. But, but what, what I think, um, so I was really surprised on his volleying skills uh, against, uh, it was unbelievable how he volleyed. It, it, it was, for me, it was absolutely unreal how good he is at the net. Um, and what I read today is that Tony Nadal said, if he improves his backhand, he is a future world, world number one. I mean, if you think about it, he, he was literally one match away and I don't know, 12 points away or something he was he was quite close no not that close but but because he he lost i think in four against alcaraz yeah but um he he was really close to to being world number one and at one stage uh i felt in the u.s final that you know what he's gonna pull it pull it off he's he's better than alcaraz and i and i and i felt that um like i don't know in, in in the middle of the third set that you know what if he keeps up like that alcaraz has no weapons um, and I think it was the hype. It was Alcaraz's, um, you know, mind and 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 his weapons and that sort of thing. But I think his forehand is really really good. Rude's is is top five in terms of forehand, but his backhand is top twenty. So that that definitely needs some improvement. His his um, net play is brilliant, and his serving is really good. Like you know, he was serving bombs against Fritz. What was weird and what uh, he almost lost that match against Fritz and. Um, and if he would have, obviously it was different because Rafa beat him. And, you know, but, but Rafa, it was more about like uh, Ruth couldn't be bothered on that match. Like he he went up, he he had a good match. Rafa really wanted it. So he was like, yeah, right. This is this is yours, old boy. So just, you know, cherish that. Um, but I feel like uh, Ruth can have, and I, and I think I mentioned it one or two podcasts ago, that I do believe that he can have a really, really good year. Um, and I, and you know what, he's the biggest threat if if Djokovic, I mean, you don't know, you cannot write Djokovic off. You don't know how Rafa will be doing. Rafa had good signs. I think um, if if he would have had a better Paris and maybe he would have beat Tommy Paul and then could have had a few matches here and there, he could have had a, a better uh, finals because I think he just lacked the matches. That's what I felt with Rafa. I didn't think he played badly. I think um, it was just too much. Maybe, maybe uh, Roots. Uh, sorry, uh, Fritz's power. Felix. Yeah, Felix wasn't playing that well, but he's serving really well. And and Rafa had a few opportunities on both matches where actually he could have pulled it through. If he would have won the first set against Fritz, it was a totally different different um, match and a totally different uh, tournament as well. 
So I think Rafa can have a good year. He said that he's going to die trying to get back to his level. That's why he said, which is so funny from a 36-year-old just knew, knew that to say that, yeah, I'm going to die on a tennis court. <laughs> Hopefully it's not going to happen, mate. Just, yeah, just, just enjoy your life. You, you just, you know, played for like, you, you just earned $120 million on, on a tennis court. So enjoy it. Uh, all of Mallorca is yours, literally. So, um, and, and the other thing is, is uh, what I wanted to say about prize money is that Novak uh, is the first player who actually um, surplused $140 million in prize monies. Yep. which is just insane that's a lot of money in tennis so, uh, for sure yeah it's a lot of money in anywhere um i mean if you're unless you're you're like a baseball player or an american football player or or um you know an nba amazing basketball player but in in tennis it's unreal and um you know even with uh with with all these crazy prize monies they are increasing which is a great sign i just i just read it today in gaudenzi's uh, feet on linkedin that uh, they are increasing the uh, ATP by something like 30, 40%, which mm -hmm. is not really, I mean, it, it actually means a lot for, uh, for the winners, but it will be a lot of money for, uh, for the um, uh, first few rounds as well. So yeah, I, I, I do hope that it will, it will actually lead to, to some improvements in terms of like life quality for these players. Cause uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough one to make it in tennis really. Yeah, it's tough. It and it's uh, the problem is the disparity between the, the top players and the slightly less fortunate two hundred and below, right? That is the big problem. Like it's such a stark contrast of winning like a future title or even a challenger, and then you go up to these guys, which make insane amounts. Like you said, six million dollars uh, for this title, something uh, for Novak. I mean, obviously he won every match, so that it's an extra bonus. But still, it, it's the price money is insane, and that's also. For the WTA, they have some very, very crazy prize money for the best women in the world. So it's not like they have it much worse. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the ATP finals. Uh, we'll see what it brings for next year. Uh, I think that's something we can talk about in a future podcast, like what we see in the crystal ball. And uh, now there is like off season. So for racket nerds, there might be some interesting testing going on. Like with uh, that's the time where they usually they go to the Maldives and they stay there for uh, two weeks, but then or one. And then they get it back into training again. And that's when you see some interesting changes, possibly uh, players trying new things, striking new deals. It could be also be apparel, could be shoes, uh, rackets, strings and everything. So that would be a fun period also to watch what's happening. How are they preparing for, for the big Aussie Open and the big 2023? And tennis is in a good place. So it seems like uh, tours is just getting stronger. Um, competition is just better and better. Both tours, ATP, WTA, and even doubles is getting stronger. So I think tennis is, is in good shape. So hopefully next year will be even more exciting than this year. We felt relatively normal for being a COVID year, right? Yeah, absolutely. What I wanted to say is that I remember uh, when I was a kid and, and I was looking at the, um, you know, the Aussie Open and then the new shoes were coming out and everyone was playing with new, you know, new rackets and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and it was so good. And, and it was a great, great, like preparation for the year and um you don't really see that many like from the top 10 i would be really surprised if anyone would would switch brands because you know at the moment they are just playing so well and and uh they're um so superstitious aren't they that um they don't really want to switch anything what they have um between the 100 and 200, there's going to be some switches, plus possibly Christian Guerin, who will just come up with a third or fourth choice, <laughs> he, and he then he will switching. go back to. <laughs> he just loves that, doesn't he? His apparel and then his rackets, and then the both things will go back to normal. Uh, but I, if like I, I know that for a fact that Dunlop is, is they have a, a really, really big budget to get people in. So I think there's going to be more guys, not just Katsmanovic and, and um, Draper and, and all those guys. So there might be a few big names who will, who will try Dunlop. Um, they might, I mean, Dunlop is making a big comeback. You can see it. Like literally they were gone after Almagro. Almagro was their last big player. And then after it, you didn't really have, yeah, obviously you had Kevin Anderson. Um, but then it was Frickson and then, yeah. But but I think Dunlop will make some waves. 
Um, also, Technifiber, they're just fully loaded, aren't they? Like, uh, you know, now that they have Lacoste and, and uh, I mean, the other way around, so Lacoste has Technifiber, um, which, which obviously is, is a great thing. And, and you know, when, when Novak was first and Medvedev was second or the other way around, there were two Lacoste um, sponsored players in the one and two. And um, Medvedev is fully French clothing and fully French uh, strings and everything. Because I think he plays with Technifiber, doesn't he? Uh, his string yep. is. Yep, everything. Yeah, no, so it's um, f- fully French uh this guy but yeah we would see i mean there will be some some sponsorship changes i'm sure but not like as you said top 10 rarely you see anything it's more like they they will just paint their rackets to be the new cosmetic i mean we have some some racket releases which we can talk about in the in the next episode a bit more when we have more time for for general stuff because the tour takes a bit of a break and then there is the exhibition stuff i guess that's the one in the diria cup right that is the first thing we have in the calendar we talked about that roger played uh kanishikori in japan um and obviously uniqlo <laughs> wanted to to get some uh, some sponsorship uh um, events out of um out of roger while they paid that much money for him uh, 300 million for 10 years um, and it wasn't, so they really it didn't get to 10 like how many years are they up in like five i think they're like six seven in so yeah but if you think about it when they signed him he um he didn't really play i think he played just one wimby final and that was it because i think everything else was uh so that his only grand slam final but you know we're talking about literally one of the greatest tennis players of all time uh, the most elegant tennis player of all time so they they haven't really bought him uh for his tennis in a way he bought him for his personality and if you look at Federer's uh endorsements and and sponsorships and deals he has all the best like Rolex and Barilla um and you know he has on which which is making waves. I just I just told you as well um, on offline that uh, on is um, is trying to to uh, increase their uh, revenue through tennis. So they they want to bring out a lot more stuff. And and I think we talked about it in the last podcast. We're not going to uh, talk about the on tennis shoes. It would be great to to see how it actually plays. So that's that's a really really good one. And and I know that that the casual uh, footwear of uh, like the Roger Pro and that sort of thing, what they uh, what they have uh, for just you know normal sort of walking walking around Basel Street, um, then then those those are great as well, and they're they're looking really good, and and I think that's that's a that's a good line of shoes as well. So so yeah, there's um, there's quite an interesting one. I think Ben Shelton will really make waves next year. I think he he can now that he's on the main draw, and and I do have to apologize. In the last podcast, I thought it was the last week for challengers. But it was actually the last, so the last but one week, and the last week uh, was the last challengers, if I'm not mistaken. And now I would check, and there's like literally twelve challengers in the world. But no, I think that uh, last week was the last one uh, where they could get um, points. And uh, Ben Shelton is now top hundred, so he will be uh, main draw in the Aussie Open. So that that is quite a feat because he started from like I don't know 150 and now he's main draw. So that's that's big up. Yeah, no, he's and uh, he's well deserved. Like it, we will see how he he can actually beat some big names in Aussie Open if he gets. Uh, it's tough to get him in the first round, for example, or second round if you're seated. Uh, this uh, I'm just before we end, uh, well, I'm gonna mention just the Diria Tennis Cup. It actually starts in in uh, 16 days. It's like the 10th of December uh, or 8 to 10th. Medvedev, Zverev, Rublev, Fritz, Nori, Kyrgios, team, and Varinka. So they're not taking that much of a break. They they keep playing some, and I guess they get a big chunk of money. I don't know exactly um, how how many people watch this stuff uh, because it's an exhibition, and um, but it's like a draw, and they do everything like that. So uh, interesting way to to put your money. But I guess it's good for people who live there. Maybe they they can go and it's like see the best players in the world fight it out. But I I'm, I might not be watching a lot of that event. Mm-hmm. But that's that's happening in a in a few weeks for you crazy tennis fans who want to watch all the tennis as possible. And the other thing is that like should we touch the Davis Cup or should we just do we care about the Davis Cup? I know that you're going, so obviously you do care about it in a way. But do we care about it? Should, should we talk? It's about a question. It? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm going a little bit as um, uh, 
I mean, obviously it's in Malaga, so I'm 30 minutes away by car. So I'm going to go and check out the vibe there. It would be fun to to see the atmosphere. I will be going for the semis, it seems like, and final probably. And uh, the teams, I can g- give you a quick like breakdown. We have the quarterfinals. We have Italy, the United States. That's a tough match in general. I mean, Italy should be a strong team. I mean, Bertini and Mosetti. Uh, Germany, Canada. I think Canada should be dangerous uh, to win the title. They won ATP Cup. Uh, obviously have Felix and Dennis. Um, Dennis is actually uh, getting his racket strung uh, in uh, in Nicky's office, so I missed him the, this week. Uh, Australia, Netherlands is well tougher to predict, I would say. That's a little bit more difficult. I don't think Kyrgios is playing. I'm pretty sure he's not playing, right? I saw that Kokinakis no, is No, there. no, no, he's not. Kokinakis is playing, but not Kyrgios. Nick yeah. is like, no. no. And then and, we have Croatia, Croatia versus Spain. And uh, Spain, they don't have... Uh, either Rafa or Alcaraz. So uh, they're a little bit weaker, but still Bautista Gut and uh, and the Karinio Busta. So it's not like a bad team, but obviously Croatia is tough with uh, Cilic and Joric, Goyu, Pavic and Mektic. So Croatia is a good team. They can actually win it with that team. Uh, Spain, they have Karinio Busta, Bautista Gut, as I said. And then there's like Martinez, Ramos Vinolas and Granoyes, but that's for doubles, I guess. And let's see Italy here. They have Musetti, Sonego, Fognini, and Bulelli. So there's no Berrettini there. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And no uh, yeah. Sinner. So it's yeah, a little bit... That's, uh, although, although it's a good doubles, Fognini and Bulelli are... Yeah, they're very good. Like the top 10, top 10 doubles. Fritz, Tiafo, <laughs> Paul, and Sok in the US team. So that's a that's a very strong team, actually. That's uh, Yeah, they should win that. They should yeah. really win it. If, if you ask me, I think now that Alcaraz isn't playing, uh, Rune is obviously not there. I think that Fritz, Tiafo, Sok... Um, who was the fourth? Tommy Paul. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's they, a good team, man. I, I think that's that's a great team. And and I think if, if Fritz really carries on the momentum, they, they should win it. But, yeah, it's, it's if uh, Aliasim and Chapo... Like they can be a threat as well with with uh, Pospisil, uh, but the doubles I don't know. Like I don't know these guys in doubles, Galnario and Diallo. I don't really know. Yeah, and also I mean it, it's just um, you know with Chapo you don't really know he was in the Maldives last week, so it's, it's great to see all these guys uh, now uh, getting their well deserved rest. Yeah, I I think so. And now now I need my well deserved rest. It's been a packed day. Uh, but I That's will why be. I said it as well. Yeah, I will be reporting back um, when I've been to the Davis Cup. So next week we we summarize that, and we get into some other tennis stuff. Absolutely, yes, as 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 we are. Yeah, that's that's why I just wanted to emphasize it that this is this is our well-deserved rest, which is coming up tonight. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Uh, I hope you have a nice evening and um, say hi to your cats, which is not in picture anymore, and your wife. And uh, we'll talk next week. Will do. Thank you very much, Jonas, um, and uh, see you next week.